Now, again, just as Zacchaeus, I will restore fourfold, Jesus also restores us. And that means he retrieves what was lost. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. God is not limited to my understanding. And so when we go back and we look at little Zacchaeus, this little man, and I imagine walking down the street with Jesus and the disciples are behind him and they're walking along. And here's probably a guy in probably a brightly colored robe hanging out of a tree, acting like a little kid. And like I say, unless a man become as a child, he'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. He set all that uh, ambition aside so that he could go and get a glimpse of Jesus. And what was Jesus's response? Called him by name and said, I'm going to spend the evening with you, Zacchaeus. Hasten and come down. Verse six. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Why did he receive him joyfully? I I don't know. Because I, I think the curiosity at first was interesting, maybe very much spurned by uh, uh, Matthew's conversion to Christ, again, like occupation, uh, maybe it was that he called him by name. There was that personal touch that Jesus offered him. But whatever it was, he received him joyfully. Now, verse 7. This is the old thing of no good deed goes unpunished. But when they saw it, who be they? They be anybody that don't love Jesus. But when they saw it, they murmured, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, isn't it funny? Some people's relationship with God is ankle deep. And you can usually find it because it doesn't matter how much you try to do for other people. It doesn't matter how much you sacrifice. It doesn't matter anything. They, rather than seeing the good things you've done in your life, they will focus upon the bad. And in this particular case, it wasn't bad at all. It was their perception. Now, we remember Jesus oftentimes would say, the sinners, they said, why do you eat with them? And Jesus said, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. Jesus wasn't making them his bosom buddies, but he was not embarrassed to be with them to point them to their father in heaven. Now remember again how God does this. The Bible says not to have friendship with the world. We don't want to be involved where we're linking arms and we're singing kumbaya with the world. But yet at the same time, we do want to be in and around them 
Because that's where they can see Jesus at work in you. Do you think your employees that you work around at your job see you mess up? Yeah, they do. Well, I thought if they were a Christian, you know, it's really funny. I used to work in a body shop. I've shared this story many times, but it become so so real. Everybody cussed all day long in the body shop. It was never a hammer. It was a bump, bump, bump hammer. And it was never a bumper. It was a bump, 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 bumper. And I remember that I hit my hand with a hammer. And I remember it splatting and the blood going everywhere. And I handed a bumper to one of the guys that was working there with me. And I said, hold on to this. I got to go wash my hand off. And as I turn to go to the bathroom, he drops this expensive Porsche bumper on the ground, scratches it all up. And I just went in there and I was cussing a blue streak. I didn't know I knew those kind of words. But they're there. And I slammed the bathroom door and I turned the water on and shoved my hand under the water and the blood's running down in the sink. And God says, go say you're sorry. And I said, no. People cuss around here all the time for no reason. I had a reason. And God says, go say you're sorry. I don't want to say I'm sorry. God says, go see your sorry. I don't want to say I'm sorry. And this argument went on while the blood is running down and I'm in deep pain. Fingernail turning blue, you know, all the whole scene. And I remember I said, well, I'm not going to go. And then I heard this icy silence from God like, okay, you don't want to talk to me. I won't talk to you. And I said, okay, I'll go say I'm sorry. So I went out. I waited until everybody was standing around and I apologized to this person that I said these words to. And I realized that in doing that, that spoke more to them of God than all the track playing and all the Jesus music I'd play in the shop. Why is that? Because there was a conscience about what we do. And I believe that, again, we have to really say, Lord, I'm sorry when, I'm, when, when I've sinned. And if we think as Christians, when you accept Christ, you're not going to no longer sin. You're simply deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. Paul said, there's none righteous, no, not one. So when we sin, we ask God to forgive us. And God's forgiveness then becomes evident to those around us that they see that there has been a change. Matthew had a change in his life. No doubt through the the trades, Zacchaeus had heard about this change in Matthew's life. And so... He came down, received him joyfully, and there were people that hated it. There was always going to be that. Again, if you're seeking to be a crowd pleaser, you're never going to be a God pleaser. And there's things you can do to please the crowd. But the thing is, just be about your father's business. Realize your footsteps are divinely designed by him, and God will see you through in what he's called you to do. Then Zacchaeus, and by the way, it didn't stop Jesus from doing what he was going to do. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. Now, this is interesting here because this is what you call fruits of repentance. 
It isn't just that he said he was sorry, but I'm sure keeping all the goodies that I got. He's saying, I'm willing to make it up. I'm willing to do something to, to do this. Now, sometimes you can do things, sometimes you can't. You know, gossip, they said sometimes is like a feather pillow that you rip open in a 40 mile an hour Idaho windstorm and shake it and the feathers blow from here to Burley everywhere. And you say, well, I'm sorry I said those things. How are you going to go get all the feathers and put them back in the pillow sack again? You can't. But the one thing you can do is you can stop gossiping. You can stop doing those things. And so he says, I will restore fourfold to everybody that I have wrongfully taken something from. Again, fruits of repentance. It isn't just saying, well, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but there is something that motivates a person to make it right. See, that's what the people in the world see. They, they, they want to see, uh, is there a conscience behind what we do? And so Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham. Probably in reminding and making this statement, and, and it does appear that maybe these people that were condemning Zacchaeus and Jesus' association with him, he may very well said that so that they could have heard it as well, that he's also a son of Abraham, because I'm sure most of the Jewish people wished he wasn't. Why? Again, a tax collector working for the Roman government. Jesus reminds him he is also a son of Abraham, which, by the way, does not make him beyond the salvation of what God wants to do. Some people say, oh, that person is so far gone. Nothing will ever fix him. That's not what Jesus said. Today, salvation has come to this house. And he's also a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now you look at this for a minute. Zacchaeus thought he was having Jesus for a guest at his house. But actually, Jesus had Zacchaeus for a guest. You see, I must spend tonight... Notice, I like that word that it says in here because he says... Um, verse, go back to verse five. He says, for I must stay at your house. I must. You see, when I find a must in the Bible, I realize that ain't happenstance, friends. That was divinely, and just again, as Jesus divinely spotted Zacchaeus, I believe again, there are things that we as Christians must do as well. Now, Jesus Come to seek and to save that which is lost. What's lost in people's lives? What's lost in your life this morning? There's a lot of things that can be lost. You could have lost your health. You could have lost your wife or your husband. You could have lost your kids. You could have lost your reputation. You could have lost your job. You could have lost your family. There's a lot of things that we lose. But you know, there's, again, as I've always shared, this religion never finds anything. 
Every religion that I have ever found in the world somehow offers you a way to get right with the supreme being, whatever it might be. Go burn so many incense sticks, sell flowers in airports. I've been over this a lot of times, but it's always religion. Go do this, go do that. You might get God on your side. But only in Christianity and only in Jesus do we find the restoration Now, again, just as Zacchaeus, I will restore fourfold, Jesus also restores us. And that means he retrieves what was lost. And for every one of us, there is loss and there has been loss in our life. But remember this, God is bigger than what you have lost. And God can restore what you have lost He's not just one you can get right with through Jesus Christ, but he's also the one who will rebuild you. I love that about God. You know, with a lot of the car shows that are around right now in the city parks and these different places that we see cars on display, you see people and they have these beautiful cars out there and, and uh, sometimes somebody will come up and ask them, how much is that worth? Well, you know, what a car is worth restored has a lot to deal with who restored it. In fact, sometimes in eBay and some of these other uh, magazines that advertise old cars, it'll say amateur restoration. That's a nice word for saying the person who worked on it hadn't a clue what he was doing. He just got out there with his wrenches. He was a Makita warrior on the weekend. And he was out there cutting and grinding and welding. And Well, hopefully this thing is going to be something when I get done. But I don't know what I'm doing. Only to find that oftentimes the car, when they're done, is worth less than when they began. Why? Because the person restoring it didn't know what they were doing. Well, when I realized that we all need to be restored... God, who is the master restorer, knows what he's doing. And your life will be better because he's came to seek and to save that which was lost. You ever look at an old car? What's loss on an old car? Hmm, Paint. Sometimes the metal, because it's rusted away. Sometimes it's the motor that has worn out. Loss of precision with inside the engine. Sometimes it's the loss of fresh gas and the gas is turned to jelly and gooed up the carburetor and it won't run. Happens to a lot of people's lawnmowers when they get them out in the springtime. There's a lot of things that can be lost. But God restores those things. Again, how much is the car worth? Who restored it? If it was a master craftsman, the car could be worth literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the same car restored by an amateur could have done hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage because they didn't know what they were doing. The question is, in this life that we live, there is a loss. But the good news through Jesus Christ our Lord, is he redeems us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost and to restore us. My question for you today is this. 
And just as what we find here, it's interesting that Jesus did not pitch to Zacchaeus a big, well, Zacchaeus, you really know that, you know, you have been ripping everybody off for a long time, haven't we? Don't you think it would be nice that you would go around and give back that money to all those people that you've stolen from? Don't you think, hmm? No, you don't find that. What happened? That's the outside working in. The presence of Jesus in Zacchaeus' life which Zacchaeus was no doubt already convicted. Friends, I believe that every day when we go out and rub elbows with people in the world, they are under conviction right now. That's why they drink. That's why they get loaded. That's why they get stoned. That's why they keep their life in the full pedal position, going as fast as they can to run from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's an old song that Randy Stonehill did years ago called Keep Me Running. Keep me moving from the sins I can't erase. I believe that they know. You know, you don't have to walk up to somebody and say, do you know you're a sinner? I believe most people know it. I think Zacchaeus knew it. But when he was confronted with the presence of Jesus, and again, Jesus saying, I must spend the evening with you. That acceptance, I believe Zacchaeus was cut to the heart. That which probably bothered Zacchaeus when he'd lay his head down on his pillow at night. Yeah, I made a lot of money. And there's that nagging conscience saying, yeah, and you took more than you should have. Jesus nailed that. And without any preaching from Jesus, other than I must spend this evening at your house, Zacchaeus breaks out saying, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. He was convicted in the heart. God working from the inside out, not the outside in. Remember, religion always works from the outside in. Jesus Christ works from the inside out. See, that's why I always know when I'm talking to people in religion and in the cults, onto every man and answer or anywhere else that God happens to use me, I can always tell if it's a real relationship with Jesus Christ or it's something that I must do. When somebody says, I must be sealed in the temple, I'm going, oh, outside in, When the Bible says God convicts us in our soul, I go inside out, right on. When it's something I've got to do on the outside to make something right on the inside, I know they've missed the mark. Jesus said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. What's lost? What's lost in your life today? What would you like to see Jesus restore to you? What's that that's missing? Well, I... I had somebody I really loved and they left me a long time ago. Do you realize God's bigger than the lost love of your life? Do you realize that God can bring somebody else into your life? Do you realize that God is not limited to our limited understanding? Well, they came to Jesus. Jesus said, you need to give the people something to eat. They said, all we have here is a couple loaves and a couple fishes. If they had just stopped there, they'd have been all right. But they didn't. They added more. What is that amongst so many? 
What they were saying is, yeah, Jesus, I know what you said, but I don't see how that could ever be. God is the God of miracles, friends. And God knows what you need. Nobody else, and here it is, can restore you. Only God can restore you. People go. They go to the psychiatrist. They go to, they go to the, the uh, gossip columns in the newspaper. They go to the internet. Who's going to restore me? Who's going to fix me? How do I get this problem solved in my life? It all goes back to the same thing. Somebody rather than Jesus Christ. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. How is those things found? By accepting him as Savior. Until you become a child of God, your feet are not divinely ordered. So let God do that. Jesus said, I must stay tonight at your house. You see, God wants to do that for you. If you're distant from God, if you're not a Christian, you're saying, my, my footsteps aren't not only not divinely ordered, I, I, don't even, I don't know where I'm going. God's got a great plan for you. And again, to know why you're here, you're not by accident. God's restorative hand is here for you today. Let him bless you. Let him heal you. Now, here's one of the things we have to be careful of. Well, if I accept Jesus, I know exactly how he's going to do it. Well, if you can say that, you're not trusting God because I don't know how he's going to do that in my life. I don't know how God was going to heal Ron, but I know God did. And it wasn't a lightning bolt hitting him in the bed. It was a nurse saying, oh, by the way, have you been checked for Plavix intolerance? Uh, no, never heard of that. Probably most of the doctors didn't hear about it either. You think if we hadn't have prayed, maybe that nurse would have never been unctioned enough to say something like that? We have a big God. I just want to encourage you. Let God be big in your life. So many Christians accept Christ the Savior and they put him in a little box and say, well, this is what God is like and I'm just going to carry you around like this. God is so much bigger. Let him bless you. Expand your understanding. Nothing is impossible for God. Let him do that for you. If you're not a Christian here this morning, it's your day of change. Jesus has been seeking you. And you know what? You already know the things you want to escape from. That's what's really cool. The inside, God telling you on the inside, this is what's wrong. You need to get this dealt with. This is killing you. It's holding you back. And the Bible says, if you accept Christ, he'll wipe that out. If you need to pray, let's pray right now. If you're distant from God, you knew who God was, but you allowed the cares of this life to, to make you think that somebody other than Jesus was going to fix you, you pray this too. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to heal me. I believe that you are everything the Bible says you are. And so I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Thank you for eternal life. Guide and direct my footsteps from this day forward. And Lord, change me from the inside out. And thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.